Just in the earth, just to give you praise. Born with a purpose, placed in the earth, just to give you praise. Yes, Lord. I was born with a purpose, placed in the earth, just to give you praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name. Glory to your name, Jesus. Just to give you praise. Thank you for my purpose. Thank you for placing me in the earth realm. Just to give you praise. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. You know, it's a blessing when you come to that understanding. Some people are saying, I don't know what my purpose is, but I know what my purpose is. There are various ways God works that purpose out in and through me, but I thank God that I know what my purpose is to give him praise. In the book of Titus, chapter 2, yes, hallelujah, Titus, chapter 2, verse 11, beginning at verse 11, we're going to begin there today. Oh, I see people, see people still looking. Titus chapter 2, begin at verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and abuke and rebuke with all authority that no one despise you. Amen. I would, I'm led to talk about today the work of saving grace the work of saving grace. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for the power of your word and the fact that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire and you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So, Lord, today we thank you for sending your word to us concerning the work of saving grace. Thank you for what your word is going to accomplish in us as a result of reading, hearing, receiving, and understanding your word. Have your way now. Be glorified in this place. Release a fresh anointing of your spirit upon all of us. The yokes will be destroyed and burdens removed. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 The work of saving grace. How many of you all been saved by grace? Amen. Hallelujah. 
Saving grace has a work to do in our lives. Amen. And when you read this passage of Scripture, as I did, and read it over and over and over again and brought a couple of questions to the Scriptures as I read this uh, Scripture because I wanted a clear understanding of, 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 of what the Apostle Paul was saying as he wrote this. Uh, the subtitle in my Bible is, in the Bible that I use, is Trained by saving grace, trained by saving grace. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we are to be trained by saving grace. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, there's some training that you need to go through that will be the result of saving grace. Amen. So last Sunday, we ended the message talking about how through the constant use of scriptures, we're trained to discern good and evil, and how through that same process, we grow into spiritual maturity. Amen. Today, we want to look at another aspect of this growth process. Uh, and today, this is not so much of what we do, uh, but what will happen as we humble ourselves and allow this grace to work in our lives. Amen. This principle, saving grace and being trained by saving grace, is, 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 is without question the most important principle for you to understand and live by if you are in a battle to be godly in this world. Amen. Now, if you don't want to be godly in this world, then this principle won't matter to you. But if you want to live godly in this world, this is, this is a very important principle for you to understand and live by. And because it's so important, the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, has created a great deal of confusion and controversy over this topic. Amen. So a lot of people just don't understand the work of grace and saving grace in their lives. We're going to talk about this. And, and the reason people don't understand it is that Satan has clouded our minds with confusion about it. And anything the devil confuses you on, he's confusing you to stop you from walking in it. Because he knows the benefit of it in your life. Amen. You say, how will the devil know the benefit of something in my life? Because he's the seeing one. He's the knowing one. Amen. Not, not the all-seeing, not the all-knowing, but he sees. He sees the result of the temptations that you yield to in your life. Amen. He sees how you respond to things that he sends your way. So he knows what to do. Amen. Amen. And, and so when, when, he's, when he's trying to confuse you about the work of saving grace and he sees that you are all baffled in your mind, then he realizes that, hey, I've been successful with that one. I'll try it on another one, and I'll try it on another one and another one. Amen. But if you give yourself to understanding and applying God's grace, you'll experience a close relationship with God. Amen. And you'll, you'll experience continued victory over sin in your life. Amen. Amen. As you, as you understand and apply God's grace to your life. Romans 6 and 14 says... For sin shall not have dominion over you. All right? For you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. 
Tell the person sitting next to you, sin is not supposed to have dominion over you. If you are living under grace, God's will is, say it like I said it, God's will is that sin does not have dominion over you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So when we study Paul's writings, we find that, that, that God's grace permeated his thinking. All right? One scholar said that Paul could not think of Christian truth and Christian conduct apart from God's grace. So a lot of New Testament teaching on grace we learn from the Apostle Paul. Amen. We know that God's grace is God's unmerited favor. We understand that. God's, God, grace means that God has showered favor on our lives, that he has showered blessings on our lives, amen, on those of us. We don't deserve it in any way, but God has showered it on us, amen. We actually deserve judgment, and we deserve the wrath of God on our lives, but God has shown us favor. That's grace. How many of you know that you deserve to be dead right now? I asked the question. I expected an answer. How many of you know that you deserve to be dead right now? Raise your hand. Oh, thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But God. Hallelujah. Amen. His grace. He's shown favor on us. Some people have been in terrible accidents, but the grace of God. Some people, the doctor said, you only have a few months to live, but the grace of God. Are you understanding me? Yeah. Now, as we begin to study his grace, and we, we begin to understand his grace, there are a few things that we begin to see. First of all, we see that God's grace has been polluted from two sides. Pay attention to this. One side of grace, one of the sides says, uh, is the fact that grace runs, runs counter to the way that the world works. All right? And so sometimes it's difficult for people to grasp God's grace. Uh, in the world, the world system of 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 uh, of what blessing or reward is is based on a merit system. All right, if you do well in school, you get good grades, you win awards. Amen. If you do well in sports or 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 or, or, or in, in other extracurricular activities in school, you 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 make the team or you get, become a part of the band or what have you, and you get a lot of applause. Amen. If you get into college, amen, the marriage system continues to reward excellence. In the business world, the world system rewards excellence. Amen. Exceptional performances uh, means that you're going to get promotions and you're going to get raises. Poor performances, sloppy performance might mean that you get, oh, you understand. Amen. Amen. That you might get fired. 
you continue, you continue to do, perform poorly, they're going to look for someone else who can do the job. Amen. Amen. So this is the world system. It runs counter to God's grace. In the spirit realm, all of the world's religions, listen to me carefully, all of the world's religion, religions, except biblical Christianity, works on the merit system. And when you look at the major branches of Christianity, the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church, they teach a system of merit-based salvation. Amen. Where you, you are told that you have to add uh, your works to what Christ has already done for you on the cross in order for you to go to heaven. Amen. Catholicism teaches that, that most believers who die go to purgatory first. Where after suffering for a while, you go to purgatory to suffer and purge you. I thank God for Christianity because on this side, I've been purged by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I thank God for mainline Christianity. Yeah, well, you suffer for a while, and eventually uh, you have enough of your sins purged away uh, 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 to, to, to merit, uh, 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 to qualify to go to heaven. I remember years ago after, the, after some religious leaders in our areas fell, and it was a big scandal all around the world, uh, one person said, yeah, and this was a, I don't know how I ended up talking to this person who was a, who was a practicing Catholic and said, he said, yes, uh, it's good to forgive, but it seemed like he ought to do something. Do you understand? that God gives you ba forgives you based solely on your repentance and his grace. He has mercy on you and forgives you solely on his grace. Amen. Amen. When you look at Juda Judaism, when you study the Bible, the marriage system was the heart of Pharisaic legalistic religion. Amen. But when you study it, you understand that the merit system is a distortion of God's grace. Some of us operate legalistically today. We do. Even though we've been saved by grace, some of us can be legalistic. It may not be so much as you deal with other people in church. You can be legalistic at home. Amen. You can be legalistic in your relationships with your families and what have you. We can be very legalistic, and, and we forget that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith. Not of works, lest any man boast. So somebody does something wrong to you, and they say, that, they say, please forgive me, and you say, I'll forgive you, but you expect them to do certain things, amen, in payment for what wrong that they've done in your life. That's works. That's works. Now, you, 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 you meditate on, on what you need to do in a different way because a part of growing up in the Lord is really sitting down and, 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 and judging your decision-making, judging your thoughts and, and, and critically looking at the Scriptures and asking the question, God, what do you really mean and how does this really apply in my life? Amen. You can't just con continue to come to worship on Sunday and never, 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 never critically 
look at the scriptures and hear the messages and look at the scriptures and ask the critical, uh, 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 challenging questions. God, how does this apply to me? Amen. Now, there's another side to this distortion of God's grace. This side mistakes grace, uh, the grace of God, as licentiousness. Y'all don't know what it means. Oh, thank you. Licentiousness has a root word, and the root word is license. License gives you permission. So we say grace is my permission to do whatever I want to do. All right? That's the other side of, of this distortion of God's grace. So a lot of people in Christianity under the banner of Christianity or professing Christians wrongly think that God's grace means that you have a free pass that allows you to sin with no consequences of disobedience. Do you ever sit down and think about the consequences of your actions? See, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you don't see the consequences right away. You know, this is why it's good to study the Bible. When you look at Israel, God was long, and I, I don't like, I, use, I like the, the King James word, long-suffering rather than patience. We understand patience, but long-suffering is a picture. God has suffered long. God suffered long with the Hebrew people. He had told him, remember, we preach from what God said in Sol to Solomon, if my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. But that was a part, that, that's taken out of context. Because P Solomon prayed that God's favor would be on his people. And God said, my favor will be upon them, but there are stipulations and their requirements. I will bless them, but there are stipulations and their requirements. So then he said, you know, if they sin, if, after, after they've done all of these things and I punish them for their sins, then he said, if my people. Go back and read it. And so sometimes we don't consider the consequences for our sins. Because we think that God has forgotten about it, and then later on, stuff, stuff starts happening, and we say, where did that come from? Why did this start happening in my life? Then we come to the pastor and ask pastor to pray to cast that devil off of us. There are some things we can't cast off you. I can't cast your disobedience, the, the, the consequences of your disobedience off of you. Are you listening? Does this make any sense? Mature people need to say amen. amen. You should have said it louder than that. Because <laughs> yeah, sometimes when you keep quiet, you, you, you process and say, I don't know whether that's the truth or not. I cannot cast the consequences of your disobedience off of you. That's all I'm saying. It's no sense in me rebuking the Holy Ghost. That's not my place. Who has brought the consequences of your own disobedience in your life. 
I'm reading in Jeremiah and getting there to the end of Jeremiah, and the people, the people, the people are, are, are going back to God and asking God, why did you allow these things to happen to us? Like they've never sinned. Like they never did anything wrong. God, we are your special people. God, we are your chosen people. Like they've and I'm, I'm reading this now. I'm, I know I'm reading this. I'm reading this on this side of the cross, you know. But it's like they're saying to God, we don't know why we're suffering like we suffer. And I'm saying, what you should have did was go back and read the Bible. Go back and read the scrolls. Go back and get, let the prophet prophesy to you again. So there are consequences for believing that we have a license to sin. And even if you don't believe that you have a license to sin, Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, now the question may be, how do you define sin? How do you define sin? Maybe you think that what you're doing is okay. But sin is any type of disobedience to God. So how do I know what God wants me to do? And how many of us are really steeped in the study of the Scripture? I would ask for a show of hands, but I, bet I won't do that today. I just need to ask a few questions, and then I'll find out what people know. Amen. And I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. I'm just, I'm challenging you. Because as I'm challenged, you got to be challenged. The Lord ain't going to give me all this stuff and whip me and not whip you too. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Jude 4 says, and listen carefully, that these people, these licentious people, these people who have the start process, listen now. Listen. You listening? Jude 4, write it down if you're not turning there, says these people have been marked for condemnation because they turned the grace of God into lewdness and they deny the only Lord, only God, and the Lord Jesus Christ. These people have been marked. Lord, have mercy. Y'all worried about the mark of the beast. You need to be concerned about you being marked for walking in disobedience and turning the grace of God into lewdness. you turn the grace of God into lewdness? When you use his grace as a license for your sin and you refuse to repent and turn from your wicked way. Now I need to ask the question again. How do you define sin? What are the parameters you put around sin? You one of those people say, oh, it don't take all of that. So I'm going to trust God. I don't care if, I don't care if the lottery is, how many million dollars was it? I refuse to buy a lottery ticket because the Bible says trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. I won't spend my money. See, it's not just the $100 million or how billion, $1.1 billion that it was, but it's the constant 
Because you didn't buy a lottery ticket just at one time. You've been playing the lottery the whole time. Now you can't pay your bills. Now you're struggling and suffering and about to lose stuff because you have not been trusting God. Failure to trust God is sin. Oh, help us today, Lord. If I don't trust God, if I'm buying a lottery ticket, more than likely I'm not paying tithes because the lottery got my money. The lottery didn't get my money. The hairdresser got it. The barbershop got it. The vacation got it. Let me go a little bit further. License! Lord, have mercy. I said, Lord, let me preach about grace today and just, just have a good time in the name of the Lord. And I've been trying to find a message all week long so we can just come in here and just shout and praise the Lord. Y'all think, think I'm joking. I said, Lord, let me preach about Thanksgiving today. Let me preach something last day, but the Lord said, oh, you're going to preach this today. But it's to help you grow. Amen? It's to help you grow. It's to help you grow. All right, license. When anybody in the body of Christ emphasizes the need to obey God, listen now, and do good works, then people who, who are on that other spectrum, they say that we're being legalistic. If you warn people, if you tell them, brother, sister, that view that you have is not correct, and it will result in the discipline of God in your life. They don't want to hear it because their motto is, the thing they believe is, and they, they reinforce it in their minds. I live under grace. I don't live under the law. And they forget the same question is asked. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I was listening to a radio broadcast yesterday. Uh, on BBC, and they were dealing with the Catholic Church, and that was one of the areas I started to preach about today and started writing the message. God said, uh-uh, you're going to preach this. <laughs> but the, they were asking, you know, what can the church do differently? You know, and, 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 and one of the persons, uh, the different things that they began to talk about, so I won't make this long, um, dealt with, you know, uh, dealt with, with, with asking, understanding God, understanding God's will and understanding God's way. And then one, one person stood up and brought in the love of God. Okay. Now, that's wonderful to bring in God's love because God is love. But you can't bring the love of God in without bringing the justice of God in. You got to balance this thing. Amen. You can't just talk about the love of God without talking about the justice and the wrath of God because God is love. But, but God is a God of judgment. Amen. Amen. God will pour out his wrath. God has poured out his wrath upon the, the spirit of disobedience in everybody who continually walks in disobedience. So if I just say God is love, then all we need to do is to love everybody. Don't say anybody is doing wrong. Don't say, you know, you, 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 the lifestyle you live in is, is out of the will of God. Don't say that because that's going to contrary to the Word of God. But when you balance it and you understand that God is a holy God and a righteous God and no sin shall abide in His presence, 
when Jesus was on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Amen. Theologians say that, that at that point, when Jesus had taken the sins of the world upon his shoulder, God had to turn his back. God couldn't look at, at, at Christ in that situation. God hates sin. Tell your neighbor, God hates sin. God does not hate the sinner, but God hates sin. We can never come to the point that we say God loves sin or God winks at sin. Is this sinking in? So our text for today, our text for today corrects these serious misconceptions of grace. Both of them are very serious. And if you're walking in that area, then you are in a dangerous place. Amen. You're in a dangerous place. You're in a dangerous place. Think about it. If you're walking in that area, whatever God says sin is, not, not what Alfred Jackson says sin is, whatever God says sin is, if you are walking, means that you're continuing in it. So you do wrong, and you say, God, I'm sorry for what I did wrong. I'm not going to do that anymore. I repent. Repentance means turn. And then tomorrow or next week, you're doing the same thing. And then next week, you're doing the same thing. And the next week, you're doing the same thing. You're walking in sin. You're living in sin. Just be honest with yourself. Because the only way you will, you will begin to seek deliverance or seek help it's when you start being honest with yourself. So, so he corrects this, this, this scripture, this teaching corrects these serious misconceptions of God's, grace, of God's grace. What the scripture teaches here is what we need to understand and know about, about God's grace and how God's grace works. If we understand if we humble ourselves and embrace the workings of grace in our lives, then grace can perform its work in our lives and bring us to maturity, bring us to faithfulness and productivity. Amen. Amen. So God's grace, he, the Scripture shows us that God, God's grace first saves and then trains His people for godliness and good deeds. So I'm not only saved by grace, but I am also trained in godliness and good deeds by that same saving grace. Y'all got this? Yes, I'm saved by grace, but it does not stop right there. I need to be trained in godliness and good deeds. What's the whole concept of training? The whole concept of training is you're sitting under a teacher or instructor and they're showing you how to do it. 
So if I understand grace correctly, grace is going to show me how. But I've got to embrace grace. I've got to humble myself because part of my problem is I think I'm right. It's a dangerous thing to think you're right in your own eyes. And it's a dangerous thing to be around people who agree with you all the time in your wrongness. <laughs> if you got friends that are always agreeing with you, you need to find some new friends. Find somebody that will challenge you so that you can come out of your mess. Because that's all it is. It is sinful mess. mercy. I can't get the short sermon in. I don't care how hard I try. <laughs> I'm trying, y'all, to get y'all out of here by 1230, but it's not going to work. Somebody says it's not going to work today. No, 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 no. Daddy got a whole lot to say. Amen. Amen. My children may not have that much to say, but I got a lot to say. Praise the Lord. Amen. I got about 40 years stored up inside of me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So let me rush. Let me run. Amen. Amen. Let me run through this thing so I can help y'all. So, so you come back next Sunday. Say, I want some more, Pastor. I want some more. Give me some more, Pastor. Amen. Glory to God. This is helping me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, 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 so when we look at this, this verse 11, he says, For, for the grace of God, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So, of course, we understand that when a word, a transition word like this is used, it points us backwards. Amen? Amen. So, so, so what this word is, is pointing us back to everything Paul has said from verses 1 through 10 in, in, in chapter 2. So, listen, he, has, he shows us and shows the various group of believers, amen, um, um, that they should beautify their lives. Somebody say beautify. beautify. Now, when you think of the word beautify, what do you think of? What? Huh? Make yourself beautiful. So how many of us think about making ourselves beautiful by what we put on on the outside? <laughs> That's the world's concept. So we put a whole lot of effort in making ourselves beautiful on the outside. It isn't nothing wrong with looking good. Everybody wants to look good. I want to look good, amen? Amen. So I take time with what I put on and go to the barbershop and shave and, 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 and put on deodorant and cologne, amen? Because I want to look good and I want to smell good, all right? Amen? <laughs> but this is not the beautification that he's talking about here. All right? We spend too much time beautifying the outside when the inside is still ugly. When we still have a stench in our spirit, man. A stench in our spirit, woman. So he says that they should beautify their lives with godliness and good deeds so that they can attract other people to the Savior. So he didn't say go out and witness so you can win people to the Savior. In the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation of people, he said that believers have to learn to beautify themselves on the inside, their lives, so that on the outside people see godliness and good works. 
Now, sometimes people can see good works, but they don't always see godliness. So we want people not just to see the good works. We want you to see godliness as well. Not we. God wants, God doesn't want people to see all this good work because good work ain't going to save you. He wants people to see godliness. Oh, we're going to talk about godliness in just a moment. Amen. So, 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 and so he elaborates on this, and this is what we're going to do. Number one, you can write, praise the Lord. Amen. He says, God's grace brings salvation to all people. All right? For the grace of God has appeared. Listen closely to what I'm saying. Everybody is not saved. But it's God's grace has brought salvation. So salvation is available. That's all he said. Salvation is available. For the grace of God has appeared. When did the grace of God appear? Amen. In the New Testament, the grace appeared in Jesus Christ. Full of grace and truth, John 1 and 14 says. Hallelujah. Now, yes, grace was in the Old Testament. It was around in the Old Testament. Nobody could have pleased God. Nobody could have, could have gone to heaven except for the grace of God. But he's making a point to these believers here. He said, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth was realized through Jesus Christ. God chose to send his only begotten son into the world to judge the world, not, on, not just to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Grace. When you read in, in the book of Luke, as Zacharias, amen, uh, uh, talks about the appearing of, of Christ, he says that uh, he refers to, to the coming of Messiah uh, as, as the sunrise from on high who will shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of the gospel, in the way of peace. The coming of Jesus Christ was the light of the grace of God's salvation drawn upon the sin-darkened world. We still live in a sin-darkened world, but the grace of God is yet available. Amen. Amen. So Paul says this salvation has been born, has been made available to all men. Nobody, he's saying, is beyond the reach of God, of God's grace. Now, we understood in Bible study the concept of blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you want to know, come to Bible study. Amen. That's a real good, 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 good opportunity for you to learn the Bible because we have been interpreting it incorrectly. Amen. I was interpreting it incorrectly until I read the, the interpretation of the text. You know, nobody, somebody say nobody. Nobody is beyond the reach of God's grace. Amen. So salvation has appeared to all people. Salvation is available for all people. And everybody who receives the grace of God will be saved. So what it's saying is, it is saying that it is not saying that everybody's going to be saved. The Bible is uniformly clear on this. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father except it comes by me. 
Amen. There is only one way to heaven, and that's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear. The other side of that is the final destination for some people is going to be eternal separation from God in hell. But the good news, the good news of God's grace is that no sinner is beyond the reach of God's grace. So there is hope. As long as, there, as long as there's breath in your body, there is hope. As long as there's breath in your child's body, there is hope. As long as there's breath in your loved one's body, there is hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, when you look at this and you study this, you find out that there's a, there's, there's a major hindrance a major hindrance that will keep a person from experiencing this grace in salvation. That hindrance is a person's uh, propensity or leaning toward self-righteousness. Think about it. Think about this now. Paul says that God's grace brings salvation to all people. You don't need salvation unless you know you're lost. Unless you're lost and you know you're lost. So guess what? If you don't think you're lost, you won't even seek God for salvation. If you don't recognize that there is a problem in your life, you won't repent. There are a lot of self-righteous people in the world. I am good just like I am. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. Yeah. So I was reading this example, and it talked about how, say you're in the bank, and you're standing in line. There's a long line in the bank. How many of you like to stand in line in the bank? You'll go to the ATM. But what if there's an ATM line? All right. Then you go find another branch. Then what if you go find the other branch and then there's a line there? So the example was that you're standing in line and somebody comes in, yanks you out of the line and pulls you out of the bank. You're going to be upset. Upset. Because you've now lost your place in line. But if they explain to you that they pulled you out of line because they found out that a bomb had been planted in the bank. That puts a different spin on the whole thing. You stop from being upset to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you didn't realize you were in danger. Well, there are people who don't realize they're in danger and they're upset because you're trying to witness to them. You're trying to lead them to Jesus and they're upset. Why do you keep talking? Because they don't realize that they're in danger. I was reading something a long time ago and it said, now today in this generation, we have to first of all convince people that they're sinners before they'll ever see a need for salvation. So if, you're, if a person is self-righteous, they don't see the need for salvation. Jesus said, I've not called the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. By righteous, he meant the self-righteous, 
The Pharisees thought that they were good. The scribes and Pharisees, they thought that they were good just like they were. Jesus, it's not the sick that need, it's not the well that need the doctor. It's the sick. So if you're sick and you don't know you're sick, oh, let me talk about that. No, 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 this is a serious thing. This is serious because people have gone to the doctor too late. They've gone to the doctor. Now, I can't, I, I can't make a, a clear parallel to, to salvation, but I want us to hear this. You don't see what's going on inside of your body. So I was, I, was, I was listening to all of this stuff about heart attacks, and I went to my doctor, and I said, well, doctor, how do I know if my heart is working right? Because he's not done any test. I mean, his test was wrong, thank the Lord. But it was in my mind, I want to be healthy. I need to know. There are people who won't go to the doctor. Somebody might be sitting in here, won't go to the doctor. I'm scared of what they're going to tell me. Um, I got to die or something, so I might as well go. Come on. When you can live, you might go through. You know, you may have to have surgery or take medicine, but, but you can live. You don't have that kind of mentality. But you got to know. There are people who don't know that they're sick. And if you don't know you're sick, you're not going to seek help. Why does God send the gospel message so people can know that they are sick? Stop debating with the word of God. God's word is true. Heaven and earth will pass away before the word of God passes away. And it's not always talking to somebody else. Amen. Ooh, don't be self-righteous. Before you can appreciate God's grace, you need to know that you are, that you are rightfully so under his wrath and under his condemnation. I thank God for God's grace. Because if it were not for the grace of God... I wouldn't be standing here right now. You got to know that you're under condemnation, that you're on, the, on your way to eternal judgment unless somebody intervenes. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. He said, <laughs> he said, glory to God. He said, you know that the rope is around your neck. God's grace cuts the rope. Even though your guilt is charged and you deserve to die. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Because I know that I deserve to die. The rope was around my neck. They were about to kick the thing and drop the, the platform. And I would have died. God. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. The devil had a Uzi at my head, ready to take me out. But Jesus stepped in. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Oh, my, 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 my. 
Hmm. His grace has appeared to bring salvation to us. But that's not all. His grace has appeared to train us, those of us who are saved, to train us in godliness. Oh, this is critical. This is so critical, saints, because your life is not beautiful. Wake up. Your life is not beautiful. Amen. <laughs> if you're only pretty on the outside. You got to be trained in godliness. You have been, you are trained in the ways of the world. And it's hard for some people to get past the flesh. Amen. It's hard because you got friends who don't understand. You got family who always pull it on you. Then you got your own flesh and the devil. You see stuff and you want it. So you go after it, especially, amen. Well, anyway, you see stuff and you want it. Yesterday I was riding along and I said, Lord have mercy. I want some butter pecan ice cream. <laughs> oh, if it was just that simple. If sin was just only butter pecan ice cream. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That's the flesh. And I passed by Baskin Robbins. But thank God I resisted and went on home. Amen. That's the way the flesh works. Can you resist? Can you resist the flesh? A lot of times we don't resist the flesh. Whew. His grace is here to train us in godliness. The word. Uh, the word instructing means, uh, one version says, instruct us in godliness. It means like child training. It includes teaching, but it also includes correcting, and it includes disciplining. Amen? It's a process that starts at salvation, and it continues until we stand before the Lord. Amen? So throughout our lives, His grace is working to train us. Amen? Amen? So this, this says to us that grace does not mean loose living. It does not mean sloppy living. Grace, to be trained in grace, means that you're trained, you're disciplined, you're instructed in godly living. So grace trains us to deny ungodliness. Say deny ungodliness and worldly desires. Mm, mm. When you begin to experience God's unmerited favor in Jesus, it motivates you to want to please him. This is what grace does. That's why the Lord, you know, he said, I will not no longer put my covenant on tablets of stone. I will write it in your heart. So what he meant was, I want you to want me. I want you to want to please me, not please yourself. I want you to love me. And not love. Now, this is challenging. It's challenging. It's challenging for me. So, and it's challenging for you. 
You can hear me preach something, and you can hear me say, you know, we really shouldn't do these things. And we will go right back around and do the things that I just taught you based on what the Word of God said. I didn't have to say always the Word of God says because I'm your pastor and I'm teaching you from the Word of God. You should understand that I am not giving you my opinion. I've told you over and over again, my opinion does not matter. I got sense enough to know that my opinion doesn't matter. So, I won't say it, but... Amen. Amen. So, you know, we shouldn't do this just because I didn't say the word says. I am, God is using the words, using the message to train you to deny ungodliness. This is the negative side of it. To deny ungodliness. So you've got to say no to ungodliness and worldly desires. Mm, 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 mm. The grace is inside of you to motivate you, to maybe motivate you to please God and not yourself, to please the Lord in everything you do. It was a good concept in the world when we used to wear those bracelets back, was it in the 80s? What would Jesus do? You know, to make you think before you tell that person off, before you cuss somebody out, before you buy that lottery ticket, before you commit adultery or commit fornication, you ask yourself the question in your spirit, man, what would Jesus do? And if you answer it rightly and follow Jesus, you won't fall into sin. Doesn't mean the temptation wasn't there because temptations will come. Amen? They're going to come. You live in the world. You're in a body. You're in a body of flesh and blood that has desires. But the grace of God is here to train you to say no to ungodliness, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Ooh. Mm. So when you talk about living in ungodliness, you're talking about a person that doesn't reverence God in the way that they live. A person who is openly immoral, without moral values and standards, or openly evil, but it also includes a person who's outwardly nice, but who simply has no place for God in his or her life. Your everyday life is organized around you. Somebody say, you, say it, you, you is the problem. No, 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 don't turn to nobody else. I'm talking about you. Mm-mm-mm. Don't turn to nobody else. Uh-uh. No, 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 point the finger at you. I should have said point your finger at you. You are the problem. Talk about what anybody else does. Talk about you. When it comes to God, nobody can make you do wrong. You are the problem. You have to deny ungodliness. You have to deny worldly lust. The devil didn't make you do anything. Let me go just a little bit further in this thing. Lord, have mercy. Take me further, Lord. Amen. Is this helping anybody? So as, as grace trains you, you are trained to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. So grace is always working in my life. 
Grace is all, as I'm in the Word of God, now, now I've got to be in the Word of God. This is not separate from the Word. Say it's not separate from the Word. So I've got to be in the Word. Amen? I need more than, than an hour on Sunday morning. I need to be in this Word every day, and I need to be reading and studying and meditating so that grace can do its work in my life. If you don't have time for the Word, you don't have time to grow. You don't have time for grace. I don't care what excuse you make. You don't have time to grow in God. And grace cannot train you apart from the Word. Make any excuse you want. I don't care how many hours they make you work. I don't care how sleepy you are when you get up. Let me tell you something about being sleepy. What you need to do is stop eating and going to bed and eating and sitting down and go exercise. Then you won't be so sleepy when you ought to be studying. Stop making excuses. We're lazy people. Just lazy. Somebody say lazy. Don't tell anybody else that. Just say it. Say lazy. And then hit yourself on the shoulder. Get up out of your laziness and get your body some energy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. All of that wasn't in the message, but it's training you in grace. <laughs> Ooh. Hey. Worldly lust. Says train you in ungodly and worldly lust. It's the lust of the flesh that, that grace wants you to train you to deny. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life that John talks about. Amen. In 1 John 2 and 16. Write it down. Go back and read it. Amen. So grace trains you to deny. I want to get to this last part. I'm going to stop in a minute because uh, you need to download this. Amen. Grace trains you to live sensibly. Grace trains you to live sensibly. We should live soberly, sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So it's not enough to say no to ungodliness and worldly lust. You have to also say yes to sensible, righteous, godly living. In the present age, as it mentioned here in the Scripture, it emphasizes that we don't need to isolate ourselves from the world, right? You don't need to isolate yourself from the world to live sensibly. You don't need to seclude yourself in your house to live sensibly. You don't need to join a monastery to live sensibly. Grace trains you to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in, in the present age. So, Lord, I can't go to the movie because if I go to the movie, I see, uh -uh. no, Grace is going to train you. First of all, he's going to train you what movies to go to. There's certain movies you ought to not go to, but Grace will train you what to go see. And Grace will be with you in seeing it. Y'all still here? If you don't act right, I'm going to finish this message. <laughs> Amen. So I better see some smiles on your face this morning. <laughs> I was going to stop in a few minutes, but if I keep seeing you sitting there like, okay, Pastor, go ahead and finish today, I will finish today. Amen. <laughs> Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Laughter is good for your soul. Amen. 
It's good. Amen. Amen. In the midst of this present age, God says you're in the world, but you're not of the world. He does not intend for us to separate ourselves so that we're so untouchable and we're secluded just so we can live righteously. Salt can never season food unless it touches it. We can't win people unless we touch them. But we need to know how to live godly and sensibly in this present age. Sensibly, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I, I promise you, I promise you, I sense the leading of the Spirit to stop at this point. And I'll finish this the next Sunday. But talk about sensible living. Talk about the word sensibly. What does it mean? Sensibly. You might say it means using common sense. But, 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 but the more accurate word means, meaning of the word is care, caution, and good judgment, as well as wisdom in looking ahead. So the grace of God teaches me to live with care. It teaches me to be cautious. So I can't do everything. I can't go everywhere. I can't participate. Some places are dangerous. I tell people when they talk to me about going on missions, she says, one of the things you need to use is common sense. If they tell you when you go out at night, make sure you're with a group of people, I make extra sure that if I'm going out at night that I'm with somebody from the country. Sensible. Sensible. They say, don't go to that neighborhood because thieves and robbers live in that neighborhood. Sensibly, sensibly tells me, don't go to the neighborhood. People like to push buttons. They like to press, press issues. Young people, your parents say, don't do this. But you're going to press past what you've been taught. I did it too. I did it. There's something, it's the devil in us. See, we don't see the end results. God sees the end result. The devil knows the end result. So we push past, past care, caution, and good judgment as well as looking ahead. What do you mean by looking ahead, Pastor? When I was 23, I didn't know I was going to live to be 64. So part of common sense is, part of sensibility is to look ahead and make plans to live to 64. Make plans to live to 100. So if I'm going to live to 100, there are some things I need to do. Amen? i got to trust God. I've got to eat right. I've got to exercise. I've got to take care of this body. I'm looking ahead. Don't live for the moment. Your sister tells you, live for the moment. You see, a part of, a part of, of, of this, and, and this is what I wanted to get to as it deals with self-control, it, it's not yielding to various passions and impulses. You see, you got a passion, okay? You got a problem with lust. You're dating somebody, and you got a problem with lust, all right? So then common sense says, if you don't want to fall into sexual sin, then you don't date that person alone. You don't find yourself in, 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 in compromising situations. And then you don't do things on the impulse of the moment. Because people fall into sin because they do things on impulse. Don't come in your mind. I'm just going to do it. 
No, 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 no. Don't just do it. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's giving you wisdom. He's saying no. He's teaching you through God's grace to say no to ungodliness and worldly lust. You know why the church does not grow any further than it grows spiritually? Because we don't say no. So we don't grow. And listen, nobody knows the stuff you do but you and the other people. And God. So don't, don't think I'm judging you because I don't live in your house and I don't walk in your body and I don't ride in your car. I don't know what music you listen to. I don't know what television shows you, you watch. I'm just preaching the Word of God. If, if you're convicted today, it's by the Holy Ghost because he's trying to bring you to the place that he allows his, that you allow his grace to begin to train you. His grace has appeared to everyone to bring salvation to everyone who will believe. And is here to train us, first of all, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Some of y'all got plans to do something after church today that doesn't please God. You've made plans to meet somebody this week or go on a vacation on a weekend with somebody you ain't married to. The grace of God has appeared. Not just go on a vacation, go sleep in the same room. And since you're talking about you go sleep in different beds. Stop lying. You ain't going to sleep in no different bed. You might get different beds, but over in the night, or maybe before the night come, tell the truth and shame the devil. People ought to just stop lying because you're not allowing the grace of God to train you. You're already looking at the numbers and how many millions it is, you know, so you're going to get yours in on this time. I'm going to win this time. And I'm going to give my tithe to the church. Bring your tithe right on to the church because the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the, for the righteous. I'll take your tithe, but you're still wrong. Just like you say, money can't buy me love, money can't buy your place in heaven. Money can't buy righteousness. So God is not concerned about your good deeds. He wants you to live righteous. And his grace has appeared. Somebody say amen. amen. To train you. So you know what? This goes much further than what you get on Sunday morning. His grace has appeared. To bring salvation to everyone who will believe. And I'm going to finish next Sunday if the Lord says so. But you can go back and read the scripture to train. And this, this training in godliness, deny ungodliness and worldly lust is key today. We can't just say it's the teenagers. It it's not just the teenagers. No, baby. It ain't. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I didn't see what you did. I'm just telling you what the Lord said. 
grace has appeared to train, to, to bring salvation and to train us. Lord, let your grace work in me. You get in that word and you start studying that word and that word start working in your life. Ooh, you don't need the preacher. The word will convict you. The word will whip you. The Bible says it's just like looking in a mirror. When you begin to do what the word of God says, it begins to convict you. When you start studying that word, it begins to convict you. And, you, and if your heart is right, you'll repent right there. Lord, forgive me for that dirty thought. Forgive me for that wrong thought. Lord, help me not to go that way. Sometimes you, if, you th if you think you're weak, you're, if you think you're weak, you need to ask the Lord to block you. <laughs> Don't let me go. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. Hope you say, put the bit in my mouth and the brow around my tongue and take me by my hand and lead me on. I know you never heard that, but the bit in the preacher's in the in the in the in the, in the, in the, in the, in the horse's mouth was to guide him. And until you are strong in the Lord, you need the Holy Ghost, Amen, to block you from some things and block you from some people and put a bit in your mouth and a brow around your tongue. And lead you in the way of, of truth and righteousness. I need help. God, I can't do this on my own. Tell the Lord the truth.